Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Guys, I have incredible news tomorrow. That's right, Thursday, November the 21st. Tickets go on sale to the public for the April Uncharted Conference. April is our marketing and strategy conference. It is here in my hometown, Greenville, South Carolina, is the granddaddy of them all. It is the single greatest veterinary conference in the history of the world, I have to say. I've seen a lot of conferences. I'm a maybe, I may be a bit biased, but this is magic. If you need to get recharged and you want to get fired back up about practice, if you uh, want to take your practice to the next level, if you want to grow your business in a way that you've never thought was possible because you get encouragement and support and guidance throughout the entire year because of our online community, which is so vibrant and wonderful, this is your chance. Head on over to UnchartedVet.com and get registered for the April Uncharted Conference. You do not want to miss it. You can find all the information there, UnchartedVet.com. It is fan-flippantastic. You don't want to miss it. And so with that, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and the one and only Stephanie. Do you remember the time, Goss? <laughs> Do you remember the time <laughs> when we when we set up the exam room? <laughs> All right, I love it. That is so appropriate for what we I have know. to talk about today. I love it. I was very proud of myself. <laughs> I was very proud of myself. You, you deserve a gold star. Like Thank sometimes you. as leaders, we have to ask for the gold star. I did that yesterday. I'm like, um, I just need you all to listen to me for a second because I really deserve a gold star right now. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. we don't get a lot of recognition. You get you get mad props for that. That Thank was you. that was a good name choice. Thank you. <laughs> we like to take the wins when we can get them. <laughs> So what do we uh, what do we got to talk about today? Oh, we're talking about the exam room time vortex. I love it. We're talking about people not keeping track of how long they've been in rooms and then being blown away when they're 45 minutes behind schedule. You know? <laughs> I won't say any names, but someone immediately came to mind. Oh, <laughs> I, have yeah. mental, I have a mental picture of that doctor in my head. I think every this is this is the one where everyone out there goes, is he talking about me? Did someone write about me? No, everyone knows this person. Uh, they yeah. all they all know a person like this. I think every practice has got this person. So we go into the mailbag. We have an exam room time vortex. Uh, how do I help a team member stay on time? And this is a person who has a different length appointments. And so they have a technician that has gone in recently and they looked at the time that she was in the room and she ended up charging for a limited examination when in reality she was in there for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so they went to the, uh, to the video footage, which I think is a cool idea. They went to the video footage and looked at how long she was in the room and when she went in and things like that. And they found that she actually went into the room a bit late, a bit late. And then she ended up spending the full amount of time and then some in the room. Mm -hmm. And they asked her and she just said she had no idea that she had been in the room for very long. She just thought that she was in there for a few short minutes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
And they said, I have clocks in each room and they have clocks on their Chromebooks, on their watches. We use Slack. When we talk about time management, uh, the team says they just don't know if they're over or under on time. Oh, man. I I think you're right. I think this is totally the episode where everybody's going to be like, are they talking about me? I think think we've all been this person and I think we all know this. I think we've all been this person at some point in time. I think it happens to all of us. Like there is something and sometimes it's about the client. Sometimes it's about the patient. Sometimes it's about the case. But I think all of us have had that day where you step into that room and for whatever reason it becomes a vortex and you're like oh god I, I feel like I was only in there for five minutes and an hour and a half has passed like that I think it happens to all of us I think the the question that this person is asking is this is a very specific example of one that has happened recently but it sounds to me reading between the lines from what they said that this is someone who maybe struggles with this issue quite frequently. Yeah. I think that's what you're talking about where I think there's someone like that on almost every team where they are on the struggle bus with staying on time. Right. This is not a one-off behavior. If this is, you know, if you work with a vet or a technician that's always on time and then they're just running behind one day or, you know, that's that's probably not a conversation about time management. That's just right. them having a bad day. Maybe they have the right. headache. Maybe they've right. got something else in their personal life on their mind, you know. Um this is, I think we're all thinking about the person who lives their life this way. Right. So, let's right. go ahead. Let's knock the money thing off, off the list first. Okay. So, that, cause that was a piece of it. They charge for a limited appointment, even though the technician ended up spending the full amount of time mm-hmm. in the room. Mm-hmm. And I think so, that when I read that, that was one of the things that I, that stood out to me. Um, straight away because I think we we did an episode where we talked about um, what do you do when team members are changing your prices, right? And so I think that 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 this to me is a conversation that falls in that realm, which is if you have team members that are changing their prices, and this is a good example of where someone thinks that they're doing the right thing because they felt like they really spent a short amount of time. So she was just like, oh, I feel like I was in there half hour. I'm going to charge for a limited exam. Great. The client's happy. Out they go. And when you look at the facts or you look at the actuality, it's like, look, you just gave away, you gave away money. Yeah. So here's, so here's the thing with me is, yeah, I, I do. I do agree that it's sort of a changing the prices thing. If, I heard an interview with the founder of Ben and Jerry's, one of the founders. I can't remember. They were both there. So the founders of Ben and Jerry's, uh, the ice cream place. And they were asked, like, what was the first lesson you remember learning the hard way? And they said, if you're going to serve ice cream, you have got to have a scale. And you've got to have a scale. Because when you're scooping ice cream, you scoop the ice cream. And people look at you. And then if you scoop a little bit more ice cream, then their eyes light up and they smile. And there's no repercussions to you, the person scooping the ice cream. You know what I mean? And you get this great positive reinforcement for scooping the big scoops. And what Ben and Jerry's found real fast was that they were not making any money because people were scooping big scoops to make the clients happy. Right. And I think we could all see how that would happen. So they were Mm -hmm. like, you better have a scale. That makes 
total sense. When you first said that, I'm like, where is he going with this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not at all know where you were going with that. Yeah. That makes total sense. Well, I, I assume the best in people. And if they're like, I just, I, th- I thought it was, I thought I was there for five minutes and I was there for 25 minutes. Right. You know, like, I get it. Um, we need a scale. Yeah. And what that means is if you're in a place where the amount of time you're in the room dictates, you know, what you charge for, you better have an official tracking mechanism. You know, you better have a clock on the wall next to the door going in where you hit the, hit the button when you walk in. And then when you're done with the appointment, you hit the button and you look Mm -hmm. and you say, is that five minutes or is that 20 minutes or whatever your lines are? Yeah. But you, this let's, at some point, especially if you've got prices based on this, you can't loosey goose it. Just how do you feel? Okay, we've got we have to have a scale, and you're either under five minutes or you're over five minutes, and that's. And I could point to the clock and I could tell you, we were at five minutes and forty eight seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know whatever you, whatever you decide your little range is, but that that's a big thing for me. Is I, I don't think this person was necessarily trying to change the prices i think that they didn't know what service they had performed totally totally and and i think that you're right i think that it's a little bit different in in the sense of like people intentionally being like oh well i want to make this client happier i want to save this client money so i'm going to change the charge that was that was not what i yeah. meant and if that if that's how it came out i i totally get that and that was not what i was trying to say i think that it's important to say look if you're actually spending the time like and it's the same as with Ben and Jerry's right if you're actually giving them the bigger scoop like most of those customers are going to be happy to pay a little bit more for the bigger scoop and i think if you're in a practice where um you uh, you have sliding scale appointments generally that rule applies to your clients as well which is that they want to get what they pay for and if they are prepared to come and have an hour long appointment with you they are generally happy to pay a little bit more and have that full hour experience with you and so i don't i don't think it's about having bad intentions but i do think it is a very slippery slope and is very easy to start giving it away and so i think it is very important to have some sort of measuring stick, which this person, when they wrote in, said, you know, they've got clocks everywhere. So my question is, what are you doing with the clocks? Like there right. has to be, it, they, it's great that you have clocks everywhere, but I think you hit it on the head when you said there has to be, um, there has to be a system to capture that information and then do something with it to make the change happen. Yeah, I like this question a lot because it lets me use some muscles that I really enjoy using and I don't get to very much. So so let me um let me lay down the headspace here because that's that's sort okay. of where this comes from. So I and you'll see real quickly why I like this problem. So uh two things. Number one, seek first to understand, right? And 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 you and I talked about this, and this is usually the Stephanie Goss point uh that comes from you first is if we are running late, if we are, you know, if we have a doctor that's always running behind, the first thing we do is run diagnostics. We do not start treating without diagnostics. We've Mm -hmm. got a, we need to get a diagnosis uh, before we start treating. And a diagnosis is not your doctor runs behind. The diagnosis is he's a long talker 
or he, you know, or he's taking a lot of breaks or he's, you know, not efficient in getting charges in and that's slowing him down, whatever it is. Like, mm-hmm. what is the diagnosis? All right. So seek first to understand is what is, what is going on? Why is this person running behind? Why, you know, why is our team running behind? And then the second big part, this is happy Afro all the way. Like it, it, this is your, your friend is the big, uh, rainbow colored, uh, sparkly happy Afro. So happy Afro. Uh, if, if you don't listen regularly to the podcast, uh, happy, can you sit down and smile at this person? Can you sit next to this person? Do you like this person? Like you need to get into that headspace. If you can't sit next to them, if you can't smile when you talk about this, then you shouldn't have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the Afro part A is, um, are you assuming good intent? Do you think that this person is being a jerk? Are they trying to ruin you by running behind? Right. Of course it's not. Right. Of course it's not. This person has good intent. They are trying to take care of the clients. They are trying to bond clients. They are trying to do a good job taking care of pets. Like, assume good intent. This person is not behaving like they don't care. They're not trying to spite you. They, they're trying to do a good job in how they define the term good job. So uh, A is assume good intent. F, has this person been set up to fail? And so in this case, do they know how long appointments are supposed to be? Right. Are they able to, you know, to keep track of the time when they're in the room? Do, you know, do they, do they understand the fallout from them running behind? Do they know that uh, the front desk is stressed because the clients are sitting up front and complaining to them and they can't go anywhere? Right. Like, have they been set up to fail? Do they have the information they need? So that's F, A-F. R is what is your responsibility? As the manager, what is your role here? What can you take responsibility for? You're like, I can't take responsibility at all for a doctor running behind. I disagree. If you're the manager, then you are in charge of the technicians. You are in charge of the schedule. You are in charge of a lot of things. I'm not saying this is your fault. And I'm not saying that you should be held accountable. But I am saying that if you want to take responsibility... You can look, you can take responsibility. Maybe this person has a caseload that they can't keep up with, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe the technicians could be more efficient in getting them in there, or maybe the technicians need to come and rescue this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you've never discussed that with the technicians. Like, what can you take responsibility for? Yeah, for me, my mind immediately went to, this is a really easy space for you to take responsibility. It's not about blaming you or saying that you're doing something wrong, but a huge part of that, everything you just said, those are all systems problems. And those that's, that's your job. Like it is your job as a manager, whether you're a floor lead or you're the hospital administrator, everywhere in between, if you are in a management Um, position within your practice. It is your job to figure out the systems problem. And to me, this just scream, this whole thing screams systems problem. And the last part of the Afro is the O and that is the outcome. Like what outcome do you want to achieve? This person Mm -hmm. may never run a hundred percent on time. Mm -hmm. Can, can we get them to a place where the pet owner shows up on time and the technician takes the pet owner 
and moves them into a room and starts setting up the room. You know what I mean? And maybe the doctor is not there and ready to go, but the appointment moves forward in a way that works. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the person falls a little bit behind and then they have catch up time and they get back on, they get back on schedule pretty Mm -hmm. quickly. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the outcome that we're looking for. So the reason I said, I love this problem. The reason I said you get to flex the muscles that you really want to use. This is a home run ball for me. I, I like this problem a lot because it is not hard for me to be happy. This person is, they're a bonder. They're a talker. They're trying to to do a good job and they're trying to connect with the clients and do good work. It's not hard to like this person, right? Right. It's not hard to assume good intent. I am much harder on the people who don't go in the exam rooms who dodge cases. Right. Like those people make me angry. Um, The people who spend a lot of time in the exam rooms because they enjoy the clients. I love those people. I, I totally get it. I love your face for doing that. Uh, the, have they been set up to fail? Sure. Like, I'm sure that there are things that we can do to help them. What responsibility can I take? You're right. There's a ton of system levers that I can pull here. There's a lot of things that I can do to support this person on the outside. And the outcome is pretty easy to figure out what we want. And so this is, I love this problem because I can pull the person in and I can pull their technicians in with them. Or if it's a a systemic thing, I can go to the staff and say, guys, I love you. I love that we care about our clients. I love that we work hard and that we, you know, and we really invest in these relationships. I love it so much. Gang, we have got to figure out how to stay on time. We have Mm -hmm. got to figure out how to keep our magic, but move efficiently so that clients aren't waiting and so that we get to go home on time, Mm -hmm. right? Like... That's our problem. Gang, I want you guys to turn to your tables or turn to your groups or turn to the people around you. And I want you guys just to talk about this for a bit. Mm-hmm. And let's let's figure out some things that we can do together. And isn't that an odd, doesn't that feel great? It's like, it's not me. Nobody's getting rained on. It, it, you feel like the boss loves you and is trying to do what's right. And let's all talk about what we can do and let's brainstorm this together. God, I love those muscles. That makes me feel like such a champion and people feel good and they come up with their own solutions and they have buy-in and like, that's the dream. And so that's why I love this problem so much. You really wanted to wear your happy Afro. I, I say like, it looks so good here and it's so easy to put on. So easy to put on. I love it. Okay. So, so. Um, if we are in the right headspace, then I think we have to talk about how, how do you actually solve this problem? How do you, how do you tackle this? What, what tactics do you use to try and address it? Well, so first thing, just like, just like we talked about at the top of the episode, the first thing we do, work it up like a medical problem. It's mm-hmm. diagnostics, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Totally. I think um, for me, when I looked at this, I was like, oh, okay. So I need to, the first thing I would do is observe, because like you said, um, you, you, you aren't going to know what is happening. And it sounds like in this example, they actually did step one, which was observe, which is they actually have video footage. So they went back and pulled the footage and looked at how long did this appointment actually take? Well, I would hazard a 
guess, and I might be hallucinating out on planet crazy by myself with this, but I would hazard guess that 99.9% of our practices do not have video footage to go to go back and look at and say how long did this appointment actually take. So I think step one has to be you have to create a system for observing and you have to know, is this actually a systemic problem or is this an isolated instance or person that this is occurring with because how you go about treating that um, is going to be different if it's a systemic problem versus if it is if it is not right yep totally so so yeah we if you can't measure it you can't manage it and so we've got to get some numbers you know we've got to get collect some data and the video stuff I, I love that in this question is we looked at the video and she went into the room 15 minutes late and she was in there for this amount of time and this is where we fell behind great you made this so easy from a diagnostic standpoint i love <laughs> it a lot of us don't have that option right we don't right. have the videos or whatever um so how do you sort it out after that the first thing i do is old school street detective work where you go and you and you talk to the usual suspects, the people in the know. Right. And you wear your trench coat, yes. your trench coat. And you say, hey, Tiffany, <laughs> why do you think we run behind the schedule? <laughs> okay, it's, cool. It's it's totally true. It's totally just true. Ask, I just, just ask the team, you know, uh -huh. ask them, be like, hey, we, we run, oh, we're running behind. What, what, what happens? And just see what they say. And remember, you will hear people who are very certain about why we run behind. Yeah. Take it for what it's worth. Um, you know, but don't, you better trust, but verify. I love that phrase. Trust, but verify. I think that's totally true because I think one of, one of the lessons that I learned back when I was a baby manager was there. The truth is that there are always at least two sides to every story. And the truth usually lies somewhere in the middle. And so I actually have learned in this last six months that I frustrate the hell out of my medical director because when we have a problem come up in the practice, the first thing that I usually do is ask some questions and I do some, do some, do some investigating. And sometimes it's standing on the floor and having those conversations. And sometimes it's a longer process of pulling people in and maybe it's a sensitive um, topic or it's uh, personal in nature. And so they need to be behind closed doors conversations to do some of that investigation. But I, I do that part. And I know for those of you who are like type A, let's just get it done. That can frustrate the hell out of you because my medical director is one of those people. She's like, let's just, let's get it done. And for her, it's like, we know what the problem is. Let's just do the solution. But for for me, it is like, I do, I do want to make sure that I'm not looking at this through one person's specific colored lens. Like the, the reality is, is that I do need to be able to take that with a grain of salt and I need to either verify the scenery or be able to verify that I am getting a clouded version of this story for whatever reason. And that may change how I go about addressing it. And so for those of you guys who really struggle with that, who are the my type A's who are like, can we just please, like, we know the answer. Let's just solve the problem. Sometimes this is where you have to sit back and sit on your hands a little bit and let the process happen because that investigation process is, is so important. And sometimes it can take literally five minutes to have that one-off conversation with your lead tech who is with, like if you, especially if you're in a practice where 
your technicians are assigned to a specific doctor and you have one person who's working with that doctor day in and day out, being able to get the scoop on what is happening with that doctor is super easy, right? Because I can go, hey, Tiffany, when you, <laughs> what do you think? Why do you think Dr. Work is struggling with being on, t- on time? And if Tiffany's working with you all day long, like she's going to be able to just lay it out real quick. But mm-hmm. if you're working with 17 different people because you guys have a shift team and it may take some time to get that same information. And so this is where I think sometimes we have to be patient with the process. Yeah, I completely agree. So diagnostics, mm-hmm. what is going on? And a lot of times there's there's a stopwatch involved. Yes. As well. You know? There's I, a stopwatch involved. I love it. I I totally geek out over this nerdy process. I love systems management and I love when this project comes up and we're working on it in my clinic right now. I love getting to be the person and have the stopwatch and have an Excel sheet and a chart and sit there and <laughs> time the appointments and write it all down and collect the data and do the data analysis. Like that makes my nerdy little manager heart happy. Like uh, oh so happy. I could just picture you with a stopwatch on a lanyard, you yeah. know, and a and a clipboard. Uh-huh. The clipboard. Oh yeah. You're not wrong. And the clipboard has my name on it and I decorate it with stickers. <laughs> you are you are totally not wrong, Andy Rourke. You oh, know me gosh. so well. However, so easy to see. I will All right. I will so, say, right, that there are a lot of practices that don't have a nerdy me. That that don't like their manager may not be this person. In fact, their manager may be the person who is like, oh my God, the idea of standing there with the stopwatch. Like, and making an Excel chart and putting it all in there, that hurts my heart, like, to the core. Pick somebody else on your team. It doesn't have to be your manager. Find the person who who is nerdy like that and who likes doing that data collection or the person who's really good at projects or systems. Like, find that person on your team and say, hey, I need your help. Yeah. Utilize your people. Yeah. Oh, def- that's a great point, too. Yeah, this is definitely something to delegate to the process people or the systems people. Yeah. You don't because want me standing there with that stopwatch. I was just going to start. Let's be I'll real. start measuring stupid things. Let's be real. Dr. Andy Rourke is not the person. No. For you to I'll call. clock how long people are in the bathroom and, <laughs> and yeah, I'll, I'll race, I'll race the tiny dogs around the treatment room and clock them. Like I'll do. Yeah. I'm not your guy. Okay, so we have to have a system and it has to the part of the diagnostic process has to involve an actual timing system. I love what you suggested and, and I like a big fancier version you guys if you are using a whiteboard system in your practice management software or if you're using a product like SmartFlow, where it has a timer built into it just dig into the information that you already have like this clinic they had something that they could go to right away and be able to pull the exact timestamp information. If you have a whiteboard system that you're using, if you are using SmartFlow, the information's already there. If you don't, you need to come up with a system that will help you record that. And it could be as simple as stopwatch and an Excel sheet. You could also use, I love having the timer outside the doors. And that was, I'm so glad that you said that because that's super easy too. have someone who hits the button and writes it down and it could get written on a whiteboard outside the room. 
it could get written on your check-in sheet. When we started uh, this process at my clinic, we just updated our check-in sheets and we were already collecting some of that information, but it was getting written like five different places. And so we just put a little box on our check-in sheet that had what time was the appointment started? What time did the assistant come out after taking a history? What time did the doctor go in the room? Like whatever information you're trying to capture, put it into play in part of your existing system because it will be easier for you to involve your entire team in capturing that if you don't have that super nerdy person who wants to stand outside the exam rooms with a stopwatch. Yeah, great call. Great call. So once we've got some numbers and we say, I think this is what's going on. This is how far we're running behind. We've got Mm -hmm. some data. The next steps I, whether if this is one doctor that's running behind or one team member that's running behind, or if it's a systemic problem, I would handle it a little bit differently, you know, Mm -hmm. so we can have a group meeting or we can have individual meetings, Mm -hmm. but what I'm going to do in those scenarios is exactly the same. And this is a problem where the solution is often very personalized, you know, Mm -hmm. the way that you would stay on time versus how I would stay on time or what's going to help me may be very different. Totally. And there may be things that you would say, this is, we need to make this change. And I would find that offensive or, you know, or I would say, I can't, I simply cannot do that. We need, mm-hmm. we need to f- cut time somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we need to add a different system. Mm-hmm. And that's why presenting the problem is so important. Mm-hmm. Saying we are running behind again, happy Afro. And then we we're, what are we going to do? Help me come up with ideas on what we can do to stay on time. And I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't think we need to debate the fact there is a problem. If, if we have to debate that, then I maybe haven't collected the data that I need to collect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I am going to get much farther if they propose solutions mm-hmm. than if I say, here's what we're going to do. And again, that doesn't mean I won't propose solutions or that I won't start to do things with the systems that maybe they don't sign off on or maybe they don't even think of. I may do that stuff. But again, this is another example of the more they give to you, the less you have to draw out of them or the less you have to come up and get them to buy into, you know? Totally. That makes total sense. Present the problem, not the solution. Mm-hmm. Ask for help. Mm-hmm. Have the discussion with the individual or with the staff, or if it's a team, you know, say, hey, um, you know, if you have two technicians that tend to work with this one doctor, have a three-person meeting and say, you know, mm-hmm. what can we do? And let them all brainstorm how they can help. Mm-hmm. Have a suggestion box. And that's just, you know, feedback inside the clinic is always say, hey, you know, think about this. You guys can you know, let me know your thoughts. You can send me an email. You can Slack me. You can put suggestions in our suggestion box. Anytime that people have suggestions on how to improve the practice, I I like it. Mm -hmm. And so those are, those are sort of our exploratory conversations of me trying to figure out what can we do? What can we change? My advice is maybe don't do all the things at once. Right. I have seen that. I have seen people be like, we're going to do all of this stuff starting right. now. And you don't know what really worked and what didn't. And it feels like uh, you can kind of blow people's minds because all of a sudden there's significant changes. If we can try a little bit and see how it goes and then try a little bit more and see how it goes. A lot of times it's easier to get people to buy into that as opposed to a complete upheaval 
of the way that we see appointments. I, I think that a stepwise approach is is good. Generally, this is not a make or break problem. This is a problem that we need to not forget about, mm-hmm. but we also don't have to fix it today or this week or this month or this quarter. You know, we we need to improve it, but it's generally not a uh, we have got to get on time and stay on time immediately. And I think what you said about um, needing to have a discussion, but but also needing to have a suggestion box really is key to this situation because our writer said that, you know, they have clocks everywhere. So, and they have clocks in the exam rooms on their watches. They're using Slack. They're talking about time management as a team. So clearly they are feeling frustrated because they feel like they have presented solutions to this problem and the solutions are not solving the problem. And so that's where I think you need to take a step back and you need to involve them and you need to ask them, what do you feel like will work for you? And, and you can even say, I, these are, let's talk about the things that we've tried, like, and bring up the things that you have tried, because sometimes Sometimes they forget. Sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, I did that for about a hot second and then I moved on and I never tried it again. And so sometimes it's about bringing it up to them because sometimes they'll look at that and say, oh, yeah, you know, that didn't work right. But I but I didn't really actually give it a try. And so maybe I could try that again. Like maybe your solution is not wrong, but I think it is important to bring up the solutions that have that that have been given to them that they have already tried Um, and then ask them, what do you feel like would work for you? Because you could have all the solutions in the world. And like you said, if that isn't going to work for their brain, their style, their process, it doesn't matter that you have a solution because it's still not going to work. They have to be a part of the solution. And so having a way that they can suggest that, whether it's in an open meeting or, um, you know, by, by an anonymous suggestion box or whatever, you have to be able to get uh, their, their buy-in on that, on it to figure out how to make it work for their brains. Right. I agree. And once you've got their buy-in, once you've got a plan, once you can start working, now I think we come to a place where we start to figure out the motivation part of this. Because talk is cheap, and and the truth is it's easy just to stay in the room. It's easy just to talk to the client until there's a natural stopping point, you know? And so how do we motivate people to push, exert the effort to stay on time. And there's two ways, right? There's positive reinforcement and there's negative reinforcement. So for positive reinforcement, are we incentivizing timeliness? Hmm. You know, um, Hmm. are we, can we do something fun? Can we, you know, can we go carrot on this the whole way and say, guys, we're going to do a better job of staying on time. And we all know this is important. And if here's how we're going to measure, uh, uh, you know, our on timeliness mm-hmm. and whatever measurement that is for your practice that works, here's how we're going to measure it. And then here's how we're going to track it. Cause remember it's important for these things to be visible, you know, every day, maybe we put the average of the, of the wait time at two o'clock in the afternoon, right. whatever it is, but somehow we figure out how to measure our problem. And then every day we write that on a big sheet of paper, you know, that people can see. And if we, you know, if we improve by 25% or whatever, then we're going to do something fun. Right. 
we're going to have a party. We're going to go out. We're going to go to Top Golf, and we're going to go to the escape room. We're going to go to the movies, and you can bring your spouse, or you can bring a significant other, or your best friend, right. whatever it is. Uh, we may maybe maybe we have bonuses. Maybe there's maybe there's uh, at the end of, of the end of the quarter there's going to be bonuses if our wait time falls to a certain time. You know, right? I, I, I don't know. I I think that I think that that's it, it's so important because I I will say this I I imagine managers who are listening right now who are like, but my team hates competition. And I, I hear that a lot because we work with a lot of introverts. And so a lot of times we have teams that are, that are not competitive and, and, or they are slightly competitive people, but they don't like competing against each other. Like they don't like that they're winning and someone else on their team is losing. That doesn't feel good to them, but I have yet to work with a team where every single member of that team doesn't like to be incentivized in some way and be rewarded. And so for me, the goal is how can I gamify this so that they do see it all in some way as, as a carrot and not as a stick because the competition thing can be a stick for some teams. And so I think you have to look at it and figure out what is going to feel like a reward for all of them. And some teams are super food motivated. Some teams are time and experience motivated. And so spending time together as a team, or like you said, doing an outing that involves spouses or families or significant others, that's up to you. You have to do the work to figure out who are your people and what motivates them. But every single member of your team wants an incentive and a reward for working hard and improving themselves. And so you have to figure out how do you gamify it, not just make it competitive. And for those of you guys who do have super competitive teams and love to get after it, like figure out a way to make it fun. And this is where working with your vendor partners is especially valuable because they have great outside the box solutions, not only for what can the reward be, but also how can you gamify it with your team? How do you make it competitive? Yeah, I like that a lot. I think you really put your finger on it. I do not want inner team competi- uh, competition. Mm-hmm. I, I would strongly discourage you from saying, we're going to put the doctors against each other and the doctor teams against each other. And there's going to be a winning doctor who's the most on time. Right. You know, and a losing doctor. and Or, or a winning team that's most on time. I, I would not... I would not do that. I would figure out a us against the clock scenario. Right. Where there are not winners versus losers. There's just us versus the clock. And we can be incentivized depending on how we do. But I I think that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I, I feel like, I feel like this one is not really an open and closed case, but I do think that it is a pretty easy challenge to look at the systems and look at the process and then figure out how are you going to approach this with their team? Because for me, this problem or challenge is a lot about the diagnostics, right? And, And the solution part is is pretty easy because once you figure out what the problem is, then you, then you can gamify it. You can make it fun and you can say, okay, look, we, we looked at the data and we discovered that as a whole, you know, our average 
wait time on any given day is 25 minutes or 30 minutes or, or whatever, or we're, you know, we're charging for an hour in exam, but we're actually spending an hour and a half in the exam room with the client. So how do we deal with that problem? That part of it, I actually feel like is the easier part of this process. I think for me, the part of this question is, and really the heart of it is, what are the diagnostics and spending the time and the energy to really run the thorough diagnostics and then figure out how do you pull together your team as a whole to tackle this. And even if it's an individual problem, like maybe you have just the one doctor who's always that doctor who is in the room, chatty Kathy running 20 or 30 minutes behind, you still have to involve their team in the systems part of this solution because they're going to continue to be them. You're not going to just change their behavior without involving the people that they're working with to help try and make a system that is going to make that better. And even something as simple as saying we have a system where um, we have a hard stop time and this the, the interruption is going to be that the tech's going to come in and say, I, ha- I have a patient that really needs your attention in the treatment room or whatever it is, you know, involve the team in that in that solution. Yeah, I completely agree. This is a fun, creative problem because mm-hmm. figuring out how to diagnose is an interesting challenge, mm-hmm. but you can do it. But but you, you may have to think about it because of how your practice is set up. Mm-hmm. And then outside the box solutions. Well, what are ways that we can help people get back on time? And mm-hmm. a lot of that comes down to what's causing us to be late. Mm-hmm. But you can think of stuff. Uh, a lot of it's trying to get buy-in from the team, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Gamifying it positive incentivization is an awesome thing. And then I hate to say this, but we'll tie on the end. If we go through all these steps and we talk to people and we try to get their buy-in and we try to incentivize and, and, and this, we're still running behind. Now we can start to have more severe conversations. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's not about running late. It's about the fact that we are not making any headway on this problem that we've discussed. Mm-hmm. And like that's an important distinction. It's hard, you know, people throw their hands up because they go, well, you know, I keep talking to this vet about running behind and she's not changing what she's doing. And so I keep talking to her about running behind. At some point, I would stop talking to her about running behind and I would start to talk to her about the fact that she's not changing her behavior. Right. Even though we've brought this problem up again and again. And she said that she's going to work on it but it's not changing. Right. And an unwillingness or inability to change, that's something that carries more weight, I think, than just, hey, you got to stop running behind. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a different conversation, right? Because right. that's, it's, it's about their, their behavior and, and not about, not about the original problem. So, and in a way, I know everybody is thinking, oh God, but that's the conversation that I dread the most. Well, you can't get to that conversation unless you have the first conversation, which is, this is the challenge. This is what we see. How are we going to approach this? Trying to tackle it because then having that second conversation actually becomes an easier conversation at that point. It's still a hard conversation. And my people who hate confrontation, like, 
they're just like, I just don't want to have that conversation. But it can become so much easier to say, hey, this is, we went through this whole process. And especially if you as a team go through the process to time your appointments and and track it and you do the competition, to be able to sit down and have that one-on-one conversation and say, hey, you know, we, we talked about this after we did all of that. And then we've been monitoring for it for a while. And this is still a repetitive behavior that I can't seem to change. I need your help because what are we going to do about it? it you've you've had the original conversation. So the second conversation becomes easier than if that's where you're trying to start. Right. I completely agree. And if you're listening to this and you're like, but I'm already, I'm at the negative conversation point. Like we're, are, we're just arguing about this. My advice is to start over. Um, yeah. listen, listen to this podcast, hear what we're saying about buy-in, about the way to approach it. And I would kind of wash my hands and shake shake it out. And then try to start back over with a happy afro and be like, all right, guys, I love you. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about this as a group. Let's mm-hmm. talk about this as a team and try to start back over. I, I, I think going through the process of starting super positive, I, I think that that's really important. Yep. I love it. Awesome. Well, thanks, Steph. It- thanks for chatting with me today. Yeah, I hope this helped our uh, our writer, our listener who wrote in and uh, – And if you guys have questions for us, you can always reach out and hit us up through the mailbag, right? That's true. It's podcast at unchartedvet.com. Yay. We love mail. We love mail. All right. Great, guys. Have a great week. Have a great week, guys. And that's our episode. Gang, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Thought it was useful. Once again, registration for Uncharted's April conference does open up tomorrow. UnchartedVet.com. Get uh, get your head straight, and you definitely, if you like this podcast, you're going to love that conference. Also, if you ever have questions for me and Steph, shoot us an email. The email address is podcast at UnchartedVet.com. That's podcast at UnchartedVet.com. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>